This is episode 152 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 152 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. First off, I want to apologize that there was no episode last week. As many of you know, I recently welcomed my newborn son into the world and it was a roller coaster ride to say the least. So didn't get that episode out last week, but we're back on track this week. Thank you very much for your patience. Today's episode, we have Wilson Pabon back on the show from episode 127. Wilson recently made the transition from Ontario out to Edmonton, Alberta, and we just dug into all the nuts and bolts, what he's experiencing, what it's like managing properties out there, uh, how he's getting cash flow, how much cash flow. Um, he's acquired 10 units since being there, and uh, he's obviously well on his way. And it was an interesting discussion, just getting that perspective. Um, somebody who's kind of taking that life hacking approach that we talked about last time he was on and uh, really just running with it and creating a better life for himself by picking his location wisely. So a uh, really cool interview with Wilson. It's always great speaking with him and he does provide some case study numbers in this episode, uh, which should get the brain wheels turning in terms of giving you ideas of what you might be able to do if you're interested in Edmonton as well. As always, if you wouldn't mind, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like, subscribe and notification bell and leave me a comment just to help the algorithm so more people can find the show and it can help more people. If you're new to real estate investing, It's highly worthwhile to head right back to episode one of this podcast and work your way all the way through. The early episodes are very foundational and should be very helpful in developing your understanding. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into episode 152 with Wilson Pabon. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Wilson Pabon. I think I said that better this time. Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) On the show for the second time. It really hasn't been that long. Uh, But Wilson, how are you doing? Fantastic, Andrew. Yeah, it hasn't been that long, but uh, a lot has happened ever since uh, we we spoke last. Yeah, that's why uh, I figured we'd have you back on and uh, just so happened you booked a, a very early slot. So so we'll get the early update. Um, and it seems like you have been quite busy. You're, you're out in Edmonton now and, and you've made some changes. So can you just recap for people who haven't seen your previous episode, who you are, what you do and what we talked about last time, just kind of a quick summary? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Wilson uh, Papon. You got you got that one right. Um, I'm from Colombia. I came here when I was 15 years old. Um, my wife and I, we started investing in uh, Mississauga in a pre-construction condo after uh, dreaming of our lifestyle and then shortly realizing that, wait, a pre-construction condo doesn't really fit with our lifestyle uh, that we want to achieve. We then invested in the city of London, uh, single Single home, 1930s. We converted it into a duplex after facing many challenges. Uh, refinanced that and haven't been able to find uh, another property that would cash flow as good as we wanted to. We started looking out of province and we ended up in Edmonton. And ever since we have relocated and obtained more properties here. Yeah. Okay. So last time I, we, we spoke, I think you were still living in just, what was it, Milton? In Milton, Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how long ago was that? Do you remember? That was in the summer. So it would have been uh, the end of June. Okay. So it's been, um, I guess, like four months or so, five months. Okay. And uh, at that time, I think you just had the one property remaining in London. Yeah. So yeah, we had, uh, we had sold our home actually at that that point. And um, we had bought um, a house in Edmonton, a fourplex. Okay. 
we were also in the process of uh, finishing the construction in London. So we still had to refinance that property. Mm-hmm. So a lot has happened ever since. All right. Tell me what's, tell me what's happening. Like what, what you're working on, what's changed since the last time we talked. Yeah. So uh, we bought the fourplex. We finally closed on the first fourplex. Yeah. Um, we uh, were able to get a, a joint venture partner as well to invest with us in Edmonton as he knew that we were coming to, to live in the city. And he wanted somebody local to be able to invest in. Uh, we were also able to um, refinance London. Mm-hmm. Uh, the refinancing came amazingly, of course. Ontario. Is this on the triplex that you had? On the duplex in London. Okay, you have a duplex, okay. Yeah, that, we refinanced that one. Okay. And we were able to buy the, a duplex here in Edmonton, mm-hmm. turnkey, in which we're living now. I'm living, mm-hmm. We're living in the basement, renting the upstairs. Um, You're in a basement right now? I'm in a basement right now. That doesn't look like a basement. It's an eight-foot ceiling. <laughs> an eight-foot ceiling in a basement? Okay, so this is like a new construction duplex. 19, late 50s. How do you have an eight-foot ceiling in a 50s duplex? Welcome to Edmonton. <laughs> That's wild. I never would have thought you were in a basement right now. Um, yeah. Even though I have like not a good angle, I just have an eye for these things. <laughs> I can yeah, see well, your I'm fridge height in the corner. <laughs> yeah, so I'm six four. So for oh, uh, my wife's six one. So we had to make sure the scenes were were up there. Oh um, wow! I've never I've never met you guys one on one. I guess one on two. But uh, that's that's <laughs> crazy. I didn't know you were that tall. Okay, yeah, so you need a, you need yourself a tall space. Yeah, yeah. I usually say that for the in person uh, yeah. you know meeting. That's when people are like, "Whoa, you're tall." Like, yeah. <laughs> So if, if your wife wears heels, is she taller than you? I know she's 6'1". I'm 6'4". She has to wear... Uh, Four-inch heels. Two inch. And then, yeah. <laughs> well, two-inch. I want to make sure that nobody doubts. <laughs> oh, man. We're getting tangent, but I like it. Um, yeah, man. It's good to hear from you. So uh, so you've got this... Uh, so two properties out there now. Or do you have uh, so, other stuff in the work, too? So we've got three properties. Yeah. Uh, the first four picks we bought. The fourplex we bought with a joint venture and the house where we're living in right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, the experience investing here has been quite different than Ontario. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just recap your motivations for going out there. Obviously, you're saying you weren't getting the cash flow you wanted here. And uh, not many people are willing to just pick up and go. What, what made it worth it for you? Um, the cash flow, the lifestyle. Um, we we wanted originally. We started thinking when we were in Ontario. You know, we did our dream. We knew how much money we needed at the end of the month to generate through inc- through real estate, and um, we came up with a fifteen thousand dollar monthly mm-hmm. um, income that we needed, which would equal to seventy five properties, a two hundred dollar average mm-hmm. per door. Um, when we started looking into Edmonton and we thought, hey, if we if we um, house hack, well, that would decrease our living expenses by $2,000 a month just in, in mortgage mm-hmm. and taxes, what we, were, right. we're, what we were paying. And so we started looking at this different approach as to, well, instead of making more money, what if we start spending less money? Mm-hmm. And seeing the numbers that make sense here, we decided and we refocused that we need um, six, seven, eight, nine, nine properties in total. Um, in order to be able to live the lifestyle of living corporate and be able to spend more time together with my wife, as well as be able to jump into full-time into real estate. So Edmonton just speed up that process uh, significantly. So you think you need nine properties total at this point, counting the four you have now, one London and three in Edmonton? 
Well, the one in London we're selling. Uh, okay, you are going to sell? Uh, yeah. So our immediate goal now, our short-term goal now is just to leave corporate. Uh, in order to be able to leave corporate, we would need um, to replace our income and then some right. more uh, yeah. to real estate. Uh, in Edmonton, having a total of uh, nine properties or nine fourplexes um, yeah. allows us to, to do that, that being as you know, joint venture partners. And what do you think that... What would the total cash flow on one fourplex be on average in your estimation? Based on your uh, experience? We like being conservative. Uh, the average that we have taken is uh, $1,300. Okay. Yeah, we, but we're also buying specific yeah. type of properties. But how do you work that out with your joint venture partners? If it's $1,300 positive, do you guys have a distribution rate once you re- achieve a certain amount of cash in the account? Like, what, what's your setup there? Yeah. So our, what we do is um, we are uh, splitting the profits differently. Um, we're trying to keep 50% or more of the cash flow while they take most of the mortgage pay down and appreciation. Um, and now, because we're buying properties that need money to be renovated um, or you know to add a legalization of a basement suite, once the refinancing happens, uh, the refinancing profits, uh, are, they go straight to the, um, to the joint venture. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, the cash to get their money side. back. Is that the exactly. idea? And so, yeah. so once their money's paid back, like say you refinance twice over the next couple of years, I don't know. And they got all their money back at that point. What happens to the money beyond that on future refis? If you guys can refinance it again and they've already gotten their money back. Uh, the profits would then split uh, the other, the other, the other way. So because we're getting most of the cash flow, yeah, um, or 50, 50, depending on the situation, every, every joint yeah. venture is different. Um, after their money's paid, paid back to them, um, any further appreciation or mortgage pay down when you refinance, um, it's split about uh, 60, 40, 70, 30, depending on how much yeah. cash flow is involved. It's very specific uh, on a case by case basis. Right. Okay. So, and and who's doing up these these uh, agreements for you? Your your joint well, venture agreements. We do have a lawyer here in um, in Edmonton. Okay. So you just tell them this is what we want to do. He creates the agreement. What do you typically get into per agreement? Um, what do you mean? What's the typical cost? Uh, Fifteen hundred bucks uh, usual. Okay. Um, once we get the agreement, the joint venture agreement, we just send it over to our uh, partner. He reviews it with his own lawyer. Sometimes they come up with, um, uh, ex- you know, with exclamation marks as to what do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? Uh, or we would like to tweak this and that. So we just go back yeah. and forth. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those things we don't talk about much on this this podcast, like how you, how the joint venture agreement physically comes to be, right? You, you can get into these conversations and you can agree on things, but then who's going to write it in a way that is clear and understood and not going to be misinterpreted? Like that's that's that part that can be a little daunting for some people, I'm sure. And being from different provinces, the the, yeah. the lingual goes different. Like a duplex here is not the same as a duplex in Ontario, right? Interesting. Well, I mean, I think that's city specific too, right? London defines a duplex as it's got to be over top of the other. And uh, some people define a duplex that's just two units in one building, which I mean, I, yeah. I think that's more of a semi if they're side by side. But yeah, uh, yeah. okay. So are you uh, insinuating that all your joint venture partners are from Ontario? Uh, well, so far we only have one joint, uh, okay. joint venture. We are working on two more, all from Ontario. Okay. Uh, we're open to. We're, we're mostly focusing on on investors that have um, a, that have built a lot of equity, uh, but they also have small uh, cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, from their properties. 
The reason being is that, as you know, interest rates um, will eventually go up. Yeah. If your cash flow is slight, or very thin, or negative, well, how will this affect your portfolio? And how yeah. will an increase in, increase in interest rates affect your appreciation or your value of your property? So we offer the option to invest in a city that has a high cash flow market uh, mm-hmm. profit and be able to you know, diversify their portfolio, add cash flow to their portfolio, and you know, it's more stable and secure for their own investments. Yeah, I mean, I'm the cash flow guy, right? So uh, preaching to the choir here, I think that cash flow is something that people make excuses why they can do without when they shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there, there are certain circumstances where it's okay, but uh, more often than not, I think cash flow is kind of a must. So uh, you're in the right spot. And Edmonton doesn't seem to be exploding, right? Like it's very, it's modest growth. It's like 5% a year. It's been... Um, oh, less than that. It's been about 1% to 2% for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's... No, I just mean now it's like 5%, but yeah, it's been less. Yeah. It's, it was in the summer, was at a peak of 10 or 11%. Uh, mm-hmm. Eventually it's gone down as the, you know, the weather drops. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, it, Edmonton is lagging uh, major Canadian cities. And the way that I see money is like water. And you have said it's just water just goes to the lowest point. Yeah, exactly. People are flocking there, right? Are, are you seeing some investors, more investors come out that way? I don't know if it's that just because I'm, I'm thinking about it, I see them more. Well, and you're out there. So people fact. are probably talking to you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of hear, interest in, in Edmonton. I hear about it a bit. I mean, I definitely think that in the greater scheme of Canada, I think Edmonton makes a fair bit of sense. Um, especially just like you said, you know, water going to the lowest point, obviously Edmonton, you can still make your dollar go further. Why are people in Edmonton right now? Best, best guess. Why do, why do people live in Edmonton? <laughs> <laughs> it's freezing cold. I don't know. No. Uh, you know what? There's yeah. a lot of opportunity here. There, yeah. The dollar just goes further, not only for investors, but also for people living here. Yeah. The cost of living is lower. Um, you do have very well-paid salaries. So people seem to be able to enjoy life more than, yeah. you know, living in Ontario. So despite the cold, are people like just spending more time outside or doing other things for, for fun? How do you see that? Uh, yeah, no, people that do spend more time outside, especially when it's really cold. It's like a pride thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but people do enjoy, you know, bigger homes, bigger cars, yeah. more furniture. They're able to travel uh, more often. Right. Yeah, like definitely if you can just eliminate some of that cost of living and you can do do what you really want to do, which is yeah, obviously travel. How cold is it there right now? We are sitting at uh let me check here real quick. Minus one. Minus one? Oh, it's like similar here. There I mean, you go. Two weeks ago we were at minus twenty, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> we we weren't there yet. We yeah, we're just starting to get some consistent snow here as of right now. Um okay, so what how do you see things? different um, out there? Obviously, there's cash flow. What are some of the subtle differences that you're noticing going from investing in Ontario to investing in in uh, Alberta? What do you think people should be aware of? Um, I mean, the most important one that I've seen is uh, just the tenancy rules. Uh, when it comes to the laws, uh, here, like we spoke last time, the, the laws are more, they're fair. Um, the eviction process, We since we started investing here, we have gone through four eviction processes. Mm-hmm. The longest one taking six weeks. Uh, the shorter, shortest one taking one week. Actually, no kidding, 48 hours. Um, that was the latest one we had. Uh, well, hang on, four? You've been through four? I thought you had a fourplex and then a duplex 
And then what yeah. was so the other we, one? we have a total we have a total of ten units, and okay. we have gone through four evictions. These were all for non-payment. Inter- three for non-payment, one for it was um, major damages. Okay. Yeah, that one was a forty-eight hour one in in Alberta. If there is major damages or a major breach of agreement, uh, you can give a forty-eight hour notice of eviction and yeah. see you later. Oh man, that sounds like music to my ears. <laughs> Like yeah. just, just common sense, things. right? Just common sense, right? Who owns the building? Who, who's yeah, renting yeah. the building, right? Like this, this yeah. whole entitlement thing, I just don't even understand it. It just, it, it kind of defies basic um, coherence. <laughs> yes. Well, you're able to run this as a yeah. business and not a social program. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, we, we went through four. They were all inherited tenants. Uh, again, we've been able to just uh, use the tenancies to our favor. It's not asking in the mouth for no reason. You need to have a legal yeah. reason. Uh, it goes both ways. Uh, but had this happened in Ontario, I mean, I bet you if you tell anybody, I went through four evictions in Ontario, they would be fainting to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, not here. It's, it's, been, it's been pretty beneficial in that, side, on, on that sense. Also, the rent increase. I mean, you have seen the inflation. Yeah. Um, what's Ontario allowed to, re- to increase the rent by 1.2%, I believe? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Here, I just gave uh, my tenants that we, the other tenants that we have, um, that they have had more than three, more than a year living in there. Uh, we gave them a 4.4% in, increase. And I just told them, listen, it's inflation. I can't, I can't control it. They understood. Right, right. I mean, and on Ontario, <laughs> yeah, also lacks coherence. Why is it one point? I think it is 1.2. When, you know, I mean, U.S. just admitted to 6.2, I think, inflation year over year. <laughs> so where's the 1.2 coming from? Uh, it, it's just squeezing landlords. It's not, uh, I mean, everybody's being squeezed in fairness. Everyone is. So, yeah. um, you know, thanks to our money printers. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I, I definitely like the approach out there that you can you can do that. Now, are you sizing up more deals at this point? Absolutely. So we ended up selling the property in London. Okay. Uh, we're closing January 5th. We're using those profits and bring them, bringing them over here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be using the winter months where there's less buyers mm-hmm. and there's more motivated sellers here. We're going to use that uh, to our advantage. Um, we will be increasing our portfolio. Our goal is for the next six months is to obtain uh, at least six properties with our joint ventures. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're also here guiding people from Ontario who would like to invest long distance, the challenges we've faced and how to overcome them. Um, So we're we're helping out the community as well. Okay, interesting. Um, Out of the uh, out of the ones, sorry, I don't mean to jump back, but I meant to ask you this before. uh, Out of the ones that you were able to evict, were you seeing large increases? Because I know in Ontario, every every time you can kick out a tenant, it's like, okay, what are we increasing the rent to? But Edmonton, from the conversations I've had, and Alberta in general, it's not really like that. It's it's not like every time there's turnover necessarily, you're going to get more. Sometimes you actually get less. But in this case, I think in this market, you know, you're getting more. Is that fair to say? Yeah, uh, you got to be strategic. When we bought these properties, we bought them, um, you know, dated and great locations dated with long term tenants. Uh, these tenants uh, had had for some reason. I guess the previous landlord just didn't keep up with the increase of rents. They were under market. Um, every time there was an eviction, we just you know put brand new flooring, painted the unit, uh, fixed up the kitchen, put a new bathroom in. Uh, so we were able to increase the rents, uh, except for the last one, which just left forty eight hours. That's a beautiful turnkey property. That was 
even though people say it's an 8% vacancy rate with that unit, it took us literally three weeks in November, which is really okay. hard to do. Oh, it's 8% vacancy in Edmonton right now? Uh, that's a statistic, uh, but it all depends. Uh, depends on the location, depends on the type of property, uh, yeah. depends on how quickly you react to tenants. Um, you yeah. know, your, your best advantage here is speed. So when a tenant is reaching out, get them in the house as soon as possible, have a, an application ready for them to go, um, you know, asking for the information that you need, check it out as soon as you mm-hmm. get your references, your credit checks, and give an answer right away. And they're still okay with that? Like uh, tenants are, are, even though they have so many options, they expect a credit check, they expect rental references, that's still standard just like it is in Ontario? It is, yeah. They, a lot of people just say that, you know, like they actually come come with their information ready. I uh, just had a viewing for one of my friends yesterday, uh, last night, and I already got their all of their documentation ready. Okay. I love that when people actually have that. Yeah. Um, you know, even even with the, the tough market it is here, I, you know, I, I, somehow I, I still feel, I know it's been a little bit since I've rented a unit out, but um, just the number of inquiries you get in no-shows, even though they have such limited opportunity, um, you know, yeah. like 30, 30 inquiries for one one person to show up to a showing could, you know, that varies, but I have had it as bad as that um, here. Do you see that out there too? Uh, In the summer, we did see a lot of people interested and a lot of people were, uh, I mean, they were ready with Mm -hmm. their information. Um, Even though the vacancy is higher, I didn't really notice it in my location, maybe the time of the year, but people were, most of the people were ready. A lot of people, another chunk of people just said, oh, well, I don't have my credit check or, oh, I don't have my employer, you know, employment letter. Um, that's understandable as well. But the great majority did have all of their documentation ready to go. Okay. Um, that's actually really good, man. So it sounds like you're having a pretty good experience with the tenants out there too. Um, have you created any systems to help filter them out? Like, are you sending them to like a form that they fill out if they're interested to see it? Or is it literally you're interested, come on out and check it out? We tried different approaches with uh, different vacancies. Uh, we just mm-hmm. wanted to see which system works the best. Uh, to be honest with you, the more the more friction you remove out of the equation, uh, the easier it is to get them tenanted. Uh, we did use a form before. Mm-hmm. Those were not getting filled up because they had to go through Google. They had to log yeah. in. If they had a Gmail account, then they had to submit it all. They had to wait for us. Um, we noticed that just replying with a pretty copy-paste um, Yeah you know, pre, pre-written uh, questionnaire when yeah. people reach out, hey, is this available? And you just copy paste. Yes, it is. Here's a video tour. Um, let me know when we can schedule a viewing tomorrow. Uh, any questions, please call this number. Right. That's handy. Yeah. I mean, I get it's all being responsive to your marker, right? Like I think we've talked about stuff here in Ontario that's working here, but it's all, it's city specific. It's, it's rental unit specific, like who are you attracting? You know, are you on the high side of price or are you on, uh, are you very modest? Um, all these things affect how much reception you get, how likely a tenant is to actually show up versus inquire. Um, so it, yeah, appreciate the perspective of just kind of seeing how, what your experience has been like there. Um, are you looking at larger multis at all, or is fourplex sort of the sweet spot for you? Uh, for us, uh, the fourplex are is just a sweet spot. It's uh, you can use regular, you know, residential mortgage. Uh, you need to jump into commercial, and um, you find more of those where you can add the basement suites. So you can find both sides of a semi-detached. So which we which is called here a duplex. Yeah. Um, with uh, basements that are either unfinished or they have basement units that are non-compliant. 
those are the sweet ones because that gives you the opportunity to legalize those units or to just add units from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we see the value can be added in a market that doesn't really appreciate that high or that hasn't appreciated that high in the past uh, couple of years. Right. I mean, I think that it's only a matter of time, maybe. I don't know, especially as oil keeps climbing. We'll, yeah. we'll see uh, We'll see what happens there. But I mean, I think that there's a lot of reasons why you might see it go up. But of course, anything could happen. But I, what I like about it is that it hasn't seen a major boom, which means it's less likely to see a major major bust. It doesn't mean it can't, but... Um, Edmonton is one of those places that people think oil and gas, right? Like they, yeah. it's heavily driven by that probably still to this day. Of course, you've got some other stuff there. Um, are you familiar with the other industries there? Yeah. And that's the reason why we chose Edmonton. Um, mm-hmm. for example, Edmonton is big on manufacturing. Actually 40% of the entire province's manufacturing is located in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have the CN, uh, rail, um, this is where they uh, have a big uh, station here for the train. Uh, they do the maintenance. They do the, uh, you know, all, all the deliveries uh, from Western Canada. Okay. Nice. Uh, so yeah, that that attracts a lot of works. Um, a lot of work. Uh, Alberta Health Services, being the biggest employer in the province, is located in Edmonton. Yeah. So yes, the province is very reliant in, in energy oil and gas. The city itself is reliant on oil and gas, uh, about 16% Mm -hmm. of their GDP, but it's very diverse compared to other cities. Yeah. Okay. Um, Can we run through the numbers of maybe something you've got your eye on, like something that, you know, a recent deal that you've evaluated and um, kind of what you, what you think you're, you're looking to make on it? Uh, We can, Uh, we did this the last time. Um, I don't have the numbers ready for, the, the latest one we have the JV. I just have been yeah. deleting and creating new ones. Um, well, are you still able to buy something? I think you were in like the, the low three hundreds last time you bought something. Are you still there? The low three hundreds. I thought you bought a triplex or a fourplex at the, in the low three hundreds. Is that? I mean, no. I'm really stretching my memory to remember what we discussed last time. The, the last, the last. So being the first property we bought, yeah. we bought it at five seventy five, five seventy eight. Okay. That one. We had the, the current rents at that time. That was before closing. So we had these people upstairs, the, the tenants that we ended up evicting. Um, upstairs units renting at $1,350, two of them. Mm-hmm. Basement units renting at $1,050. Uh, the cash flow at the end ended up being uh, about fourteen dollars or $1,500 a month. Yeah. Uh, okay. We have improved those units. We have increased the rent on those units. And so um, the cash flow now looks better. Mind you, we did have repairs such as the roof that we had to do. Yeah. Uh, taken into account in the last conversation and as well as we replaced flooring we painted the house we added a fence uh, yeah. to one of the unit side so the renovations has been much higher but also the cash flow has increased okay so you're closer to like two thousand dollar cash flow at this point uh no increase about eighteen hundred dollars uh, a month it's not bad though i like it when a property pays me eighteen hundred dollars and that's again being conservative like we still have an eight percent vacancy rate the budget every month uh, mm-hmm. We do have a five percent maintenance and repair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so it's it's working out well so far. So, if you were to look to buy something now, what would you be looking to buy? Uh, right now, we would, we're looking to buy a side by side duplex. The, the same thing. Okay, the, so the illegal basements title. or no basements, we, and you'll finish them. It, that that would depend with the with the JV. 
if the JV doesn't have uh, that much money to bring into the deal, if they want to bring only half the money, uh, then mm-hmm. we would be looking to legalizing basement units. If a JV has a lot of equity that they want to put to work and receive most of their um, return, a big return back, then we're looking for uh, un- houses with no basement units where we would be adding from scratch. Right. Okay. So your more ideal would be to add the basement units. That's a better value yeah. for you? Yeah, we're, we're now focusing mostly either legalization or complete construction. And it yeah. all depends on the JV. And when you were to buy a property like that, so both both sides of this quote-unquote duplex are on the same lot, correct? Correct. Same lot, not, same yeah. one title. So it's not like a zero lot line, you know, semi where they're two separate lots. Okay. No, no. Uh, okay. So one title. Now your zoning out there allows you to take a duplex to a fourplex legally? Correct. Correct. Yeah. What's that zoning? Like, how's that worded? Like, what's the allowance? Can you go to six or is it just four? That's a good question. It depends on the zoning. Um, yeah. Depends on the neighborhood. If, if you buy, you know, in the middle of the neighborhood, there's only houses around. Yeah, you cannot put a sixplex. Uh, if you're buying okay. into more of a commercial side, then yeah. yeah, you can add eventually a sixplex or infills are pretty, um, pretty, um, you know, pretty hot in this market. Okay. So you'll see people adding infills um, next to a property like what you're buying or what you're potentially buying. So you'll see a duplex yeah. and then they'll sever off a little piece on the side and you can build an infill. Like yeah. how, how wide are these infills? Are they like 25 foot lots? About 20 to 30 uh, feet lots. Yeah. Okay. So, so Edmonton's game for, for infill and intensification. They want Correct. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, they do. They're pro, they're pro uh, densification. And the city easy to deal with so far? Uh, so far, they have been. We haven't had the need to pull permits. Uh, however, I am following other investors who are doing flips and renovations. Mm-hmm. Um, they do explain to me that um, at the beginning of COVID and, of course, the fall, the fall of 2020, they were very delayed, just like every municipality mm-hmm. was, in my opinion. Uh, but now it's it's pretty quick that the response time. They have improved ever since COVID. I think they have um, embraced their online uh, applications more. Okay. So it becomes more efficient. Say hypothetically, you could find one of these side by sides. What do you think you'd be paying if it was the unfinished basements? Yeah, uh, we're looking for somewhere between the three fifty mark. Uh, you can go as high as four hundred, depending on the location and the zoning and a lot of factors. We okay. are trying to get them off market at undervalue. Yeah, um, that's why we use winter to our advantage. And how are you doing that off market? Are you are you mailing people? Are you door knocking? Are you flyering neighborhoods? Like, what are you doing? Wholesalers. Uh, there is a good amount of wholesalers here. Uh, we have reached out to them. Yeah. Um, there is more motivated sellers here, just because based on appreciation, a lot of uh, buyer uh, owners, um, you know, if life circumstances happen, whether they lose a job, they get injured, or they have a major repair to, they have to do, and they cannot afford their mortgage, nor yeah. can they afford selling the property because there's no no equity built up so far. Yeah. That's when you can work with them, uh, either do an agreement for sale or just buy it at a lower cost, at a mortgage cost, for example. Oh, okay. So there are people in that situation. It's something you're you're commonly seeing. It's common, yeah. Yeah. And how did you find these wholesalers? Uh, networking. Uh, yeah. yeah, we do have we have joined a lot of uh, networking groups or real realtor real estate investor groups in, in Edmonton and Alberta. Yeah. And, you know, the common names keep popping up. Uh, you follow them through their journey. You see the type of properties that they have mm-hmm. uh, wholesaled already or they yep. have recently wholesale. You, you, you talk to the investor, you see what their project looks like and the reasons why they chose that property. Yep. And that's how you evaluate a, a wholesaler. And how do you find your community out there? 
Facebook. <laughs> Facebook? You're just searching groups, Edmonton investor groups? Uh, that's that's how I started. Then you see people yeah. who are very active in them. You reach out to them personally and you do yeah. tell them, hey, listen, I'm brand new. I'm, you, know, you, you open up to them, brand new from Ontario. I yeah. want to bring other investors here. And, and you start a conversation like that. Very cool. Yeah, I just wanted to demystify that a bit. You know, you went to a new area and just like that, didn't miss a beat, right? Super friendly people. Yeah. That everybody's here to help each other. Yeah. Okay. So say you got the 375 side-by-side duplex, unfinished basement. How tall would the basement be? Would it be like the six, the 610 or sorry, 710, like most houses are new construction? No, you do. You do find the eight foot um, basements eight here. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's with, great. With poured concrete. So if mm-hmm. it's uh, unfinished basement, it's a beauty. Uh, even if it's finished and you cannot see the the, the foundation itself, uh, mm-hmm. it's poor foundation, poor concrete, you can check the humidity in the levels uh, of, of the basement. Yeah, You're not likely to find the brick ones; those are really, really old, like the old cinder uh, block ones. Exactly, you don't, you don't really you don't really see those here. I mean, you do find them, but not as common, especially in the side by side houses. That's more of a more modern um, layout. Very interesting. Okay, so hypothetically, what are you gonna? pay to finish both sides of that property, both, both basements. And then would you be typically expecting to spend, you know, 10 grand per unit on the existing units? Yeah. The existing units would be about 15,000. Um, if, if it's original 1950s, 1960s. Okay. So, so 30 um, grand between those two say hypothetically, correct. and then you would uh, have to finish those basements. What, what would you be budgeting? Uh, for both, for two basements, uh, it, it depends again. But um, on the layout, uh, but you can spend from 120 up to 180. Okay. Uh, we like being conservative. We don't like coming up to people saying later on, "Oh, listen, we need to to make a cash call." Yeah. Um, so so you, we, we just go very conservative. So you're figuring 180 each uh, for both. Oh, 180 total. For, yeah, I was about both, to say. Yeah. yeah, I was figuring that. That sounded a little rich. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're looking hypothetically 210,000 on a project like that. Say so you might be able to buy for 375 put 210 into it, um, including carrying costs. Uh, yeah. Including carrying costs. Yeah. yeah. The, the beauty of this is that you can just uh, do makeup and mas- lipstick and mascara on the upper existing units. Yeah. Um, you can um, do the separation yeah. and then you can tenant it while you're still yeah. working the basements. And they don't mind all the noise and smashing up concrete and fastening drywall. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure they mind, but I mean, you can give them a gift card for dinner or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So you can keep some money coming in. Okay. So in this hypothetical situation, we're looking at about $585,000 in to the project to buy it and improve it. Um, what would you be getting an appraisal on that for? Do you figure? Uh, depends on location. I know I keep saying that, but it is. No, that's, that's a valid. Location. That's a valid. So this is the property right. that you'd be getting around 375 and putting 210 yeah. into. So if in that ballpark, what do you think? Uh, it goes, at? it goes between 750 and 800,000. Okay. It depends on your finishes, depends on the location. And, and I know I keep saying so, that. 750. Just... No, no, I appreciate that. Shouldn't sugarcoat it. So say you got a new value of 750, uh, you could get a new mortgage of 600. So in that, in, in that, instance you'd be at negative fifteen thousand invested and so yeah. you'd be getting some money back is that a realistic expectation for you that's a conservative uh you know numbers are conservative numbers it's realistic i have been following people who are currently doing it mm-hmm. and um that's where we we're putting our money once we get the money from right. Ontario. okay so you're expecting perfect burrs and better 
uh, we are expecting it. They don't come up as like you can. It's not like you open MLS and you do it. Like there's a very specific criteria as to how to get them again on their yeah. value, motivated sellers. Location, You've got to be discerning location. about what you're buying and what you're paying yeah. for, right? So we you still do, got okay. And the reason why I keep them bringing this up is because I've spoken yeah. to investors who have wanted to invest in Edmonton, and when I tell them these prices of oh, I can buy side by side duplex for you know the three fifties, they say that's not a deal because I can get the same thing for two eighty, and I'm like, you don't mind me asking what neighborhood. Uh, they say, oh, it's by Alberta Avenue. You know, they tell me the, the, the approximate location. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to be there. So it's not like, as good. Yeah, I'd rather oh, pay. It's... I'd rather pay to be in a better area and get better tenants. Like for me, I am, is... I'm not dealing with the low class tenants. And the thing is, if you're coming from out of province, you don't really know the areas. I mean, imagine somebody from, let's say, BC wanting to invest in Hamilton and, and they're buying a property right on Burlington Street by the manufacturing and they don't even know there's an industrial, mm. you know, stigma around it. Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's so common. That's how that's how areas get better. I almost find it's always the people who don't live there that drive the bad areas to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before before you knew it in Hamilton, like Barton was good. Like it was kind of good. You know, I mean, it's still getting there. But I mean, the people who are old school from Hamilton never would have wanted to invest down there. They wouldn't have wanted it. Exactly. So it's some it's funny. Sometimes it takes the out of towners to make those areas better. Um, but uh, yeah, very very interesting to to look at these numbers. So so what would we be looking at for rent per unit on average? on that place yeah so for the upstairs we're looking at around uh, 1400 with utilities included okay uh, utilities included are a must here yeah. that's how you get tenants really quickly in uh for the basement units you're looking for 1250 okay. uh, upstairs being three bedroom downstairs being two bedrooms okay so you're 5300 um a month on that and um what would your taxes be on that property approximate ballpark uh they go for around 4500 to 5000 Okay, we'll call it five thousand. Um, insurance on something like that. Uh, I'm using what I already have in my properties, uh, thirty-two hundred. Thirty-two hundred, and then maintenance. I mean, it's freshly renovated, so we can maybe put maintenance at five percent. Um, unless you have really rough tenants, is that kind of the profile you're getting, or they're they're pretty respectful and they're not? Uh, they're pretty respectful uh, yeah. because here they pay a damage deposit, not a last month's rent. Yeah. So people want their money back, and they even yeah. clean clean up the property once they leave to be able to ensure they're getting yeah. all of their money back. Okay. Property like that. What do you figure you're going to be into for uh, utilities? Okay. Uh, so for, you, yeah, yeah. 5%. That's good. 5% for maintenance. Uh, for utilities, we cap them at uh, $10,000. Okay. For four units. And you're expecting to go there. You're expecting to hit 10,000. I expect it to go lower. Uh, if there, if we have a tenant that abuses the, the um, utilities, uh, we actually, in the time of uh, signing of the lease agreement, we cap them. Mm-hmm. Uh, any overcharges will be split 50-50 between the tenants. Okay. Now, management, are you paying any? Uh, no, I'm actually doing it myself. And that's okay. why I want to make the real estate my full-time part, mm-hmm. being, part of it being um, yeah. manager. Okay. And landscaping, snow removal, are you doing tenants that? Tenants pay for that. Tenants, tenants, for that. tenants are just doing it all? Tenants, yeah. yeah. You put them in the lease agreement. Uh, okay. The rules allow that. That's great. Yeah, I mean, not every, not every municipality is that realistic, but it's great that that uh, you can get them expecting that uh, there. Yeah, me being from Ontario, I do offer um, you know salt and, and de-icer. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed here it was very shocked when we got the first snowfall. My sidewalk was the only one in the entire neighborhood that was uh, shoveled and salted. Nobody else throws salt here. Salt here. Yeah, it's so, not common, right? Even on the roads, they don't really do it. No, it's, it's a sheet of ice, literally. 
But uh, what I what, what the reason why I, I bring this up is because I tell my the tenants, oh, I will be bringing uh, salt or deicer. It's pretty cheap, and also they know psychologically that I will be dropping by, you know, ensuring yeah. that snow cleanup is being done. Is that in the lease that they have to keep the the snow cleared? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a fire safety thing too. You want to make sure. I have got um, a first mortgage here. What are you figuring for interest rates? Are you are you still like mid twos? Uh, we're, we're we're getting them at two percent. Like right now, we're pre-approved for two percent, but we're using a two point five percent just to be okay. more realistic. Yeah, better to be conservative and be happily surprised. Um, okay, so if you're two and a half percent thirty year AM um, on the eighty percent on this perfect burr with 15,000 in your pocket, you're cash flowing a thousand bucks. So if this was a deal, a live deal, um, what would the investor expect to get in this scenario? Uh, we would go 50, 50. Um, okay. like I said, but the reason the, the way we, we, we set this up and it depends on the, on what the, the mm. joint venture wants out of it. Uh, we do try to get, uh, the most cash flow we can ourselves personally. Mm-hmm. Um, by also, but we also give more, um, you know, uh, more pay mortgage down. paid down. Yeah, more the, the taxes. We usually give uh, eighty to one hundred percent of the tax benefits to the joint venture partner. Um, but then again, it goes on a case by case basis. That sounds really complicated. So who or who allocates this and tells which investor what they can write off? Like I'm assuming the accountant says you can write off this much, you can write off that much, and gives you like a summary. Exactly. That's when you need your lawyer who's writing the joint venture partnership to yeah. be in contact with the accountant that you're using. So everybody's in sync and everybody knows what's what's going on. Yeah. That part sounds a little complicated, but you seem to have simplified it. Yeah. Uh, any any it, tricks for somebody to find somebody who can help them set that all up? Uh, I mean, I, I, I have the lawyer. I can share my lawyer's information. I can share my accountant's information. They, they talk to each other. Um, mm-hmm. They, they work with each other and, and yeah. on, on other people. And the reason why I know them is because I've been, I was referred to them, right? Right. It's all networking, right? That's what it comes down to. Ultimately, yeah. if you deal with people who get a lot, do a lot of this stuff, odds are the people they work with do a lot of this stuff. And exactly. it won't be inventing the wheel. That's really what I, I was going to say at. that. I haven't created yeah. the wheel. I didn't create any yeah. of this. I'm just uh, carbon copying, you know, copy, yeah. rinse and repeat. See if you can find any improvements in the process mm-hmm. as well and implement them. Yeah. Man, super interesting what you're doing. So you really just got to put your your foot on the gas pedal now, and yeah. uh, and just accelerate and just keep doing more of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, uh, like I said, just just selling the property in in London. Uh, we we had some challenges with the tenants there as well, so we just decided, you know what, that that that's it for us. And this is one of those things where it's a constant debate, like is it worth selling my properties? Like, of course there's the emotional and there's the, how much work is this? And then there's the inefficiency of the equity, right? It, yeah. If you can't refinance it to what it's really 80% of what it's really worth because the cash flow doesn't support it. Now we start having a discussion about return on equity, which is something I haven't talked about a lot lately, but I used to talk about a lot. Um, how much return are you getting for how much equity is in that property? So maybe what you pull out of London, I don't know, are you going to get like a few hundred grand? Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. How <laughs> how far can that go? How many down payments is that? Maybe that lets you buy two yeah. properties in Edmonton. Correct. Uh, that now instead of the one property in London that was maybe making you a thousand, I'm just estimating. Now you get two properties that are making you a thousand. So now you double exactly. it. So that's basically, and that's not an easy thing for anybody to to evaluate. It's a 
it, it's it's not like there's one simple facet that you can just focus on and, and make that decision. So um, interesting that that you made that decision, but I don't blame you. I mean, you're in Edmonton. Why not just focus your investments there rather than have one property in London? Yeah, we, we tried. Yeah. Uh, original plan was just to fly back and forth. I mean, the, yeah. I'm actually flying this weekend for $100 back and forth. Um, but... Uh, but you know what? It, it, it's just too much t- challenge. And like you said, dollar per dollar in the equity, uh, it just makes more sense for us to invest it in Edmonton. Very cool. Okay, Wilson, anything that you wished you had shared on this interview so far that we haven't yet covered? Uh, I mean, uh, we do have an upcoming webinar with okay. my, my wife and I. Uh, we are just uh, you know teaching uh, investors from mostly Ontario and BC who want to invest in Alberta. Uh, but who are hesitant about it due to being long distance. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. they would face, they're afraid of the challenges that my wife and I have already faced. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just want to help them. Uh, we want to be able to help investors protect their equity uh, by okay. building a more, more, bringing more cash into their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be highlighting the challenges that we faced uh, as well as how to overcome them and the opportunities that investing in, yeah. in, in Edmonton has. Okay. Um, uh, now I'm not sure when we're going to launch this and if we're going to beat your, your webinar, but, uh, do you have a date for that? Yeah. So we're actually launching uh, many of them once a month. Uh, we're doing the first Thursday of the month. Okay. So if I check real quickly here, so December 2nd being the, the next one coming up, uh, January 6th, I believe it is. I don't have my calendar. Yeah. Here. So I think we'll be launched before then. So if, uh, when people are listening slash watching this, that'll probably be their next one. Okay. And if they wanted to check that out, where do they go? Um, they can just go to my Instagram profile. I have a link tree link tree yeah. link. Um, they will take them there. Okay. Um, we are giving, uh, four free tickets. Um, uh, we're going to be giving four free tickets, uh, for this event, uh, to just have to use the promo code Andrew. And that okay. will apply for every month of, uh, of, of the, for every, every show that we're going to do, every, every webinar we're going to do. Okay, cool. And in these, you're basically just kind of covering every, telling your story, going through it and, you know, tips and tricks, best practices kind of thing. Is that the idea? Exactly. Uh, highlighting the, the, you know, the challenges yeah. and the opportunities. So okay. telling investors such as, Hey, don't invest in yeah. certain areas and yeah, know, what, what type of investment, what type of properties okay. to look for. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, and anything else you want to share before we go, I will put your Instagram uh, handle in the, uh, in the show notes so people can find you there. They'll find your link tree and everything goes from there, but anything you want to share before we, uh, we wrap up, uh, think about the, the increase in interest rates, uh, that, that will be coming up. It's not an, if it's a will, it will, and how that will affect your, your investment mm-hmm. portfolio. Uh, if you're already running on 10, 10 margins and, or negative cash flow. Well, there's only so much you can you can uh, have of those. Uh, so diversify. Uh, cash flow does bring mm-hmm. more stability and security to your portfolio. And don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, we're an open book. Whether it is that we can give you some guidelines, some tips, uh, we can even show you do a joint venture and show you how to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Feel free to reach out. We're, we're here to help each other. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Wilson. Always great talking to you. And yes. uh, look forward to getting this one launched. Thank you, Andrew. Okay, talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one.